We're in the middle of a sermon series. We started it last week entitled David. Come on, how many of us are inspired by the story of David? Now, Brother David is saying, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, his mama was so inspired, they, they named him David. But, but David is just a great character in God's word. You can't help but feel motivated when you read his story. He's, he's ordinary and yet so extraordinary. What I mean by that is he seems like just one of us. And yet God uses him to do amazing, beautiful, uh, just spectacular things to bring him glory. And I want to share something with you. The reason your heart leaps when you read about David is because you're a David. Every man, woman, and child that's given their life to the Lord is a David. Why? Because David represents God's chosen and God's anointed. Can I tell you, if you're here today and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, it's because God chose you. The Bible says openly, no one chooses God first. He chooses you. He draws you into his presence and you love him only because he first loved you. And so if you are chosen, then you've also been anointed. And if you've been anointed, then the same spirit that defeated Goliath lives in you. You say, oh, wait a minute, pastor. Wait, 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 the Bible doesn't say that. No, I'll give you one better. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. And the Bible does say that. The same spirit that defeated death and raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And that's the same Holy Spirit that anointed David and defeated Goliath. Amen. So I want you to be encouraged today. We're going to cover uh, the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. In first service, I did something crazy. I tried to go verse by verse and uh, through like 47 verses and uh, didn't quite get there. So we're going we're gonna to pick and choose, but we will cover it in order. And I want, you to, I want you to pay attention to some major themes, the national historical theme. You obviously see this theme. You also see David as a theme and what God does in him very personal. The personal lessons we can learn from David's life, that should apply to you. Now, how can I take David's example and take encouragement from my life, and then ultimately it points to the coming king, Jesus Christ? Now, you say David was a failed man. He was a flawed man. He was a man that stumbled. Yes, he stumbled, but in many ways, even, uh, you know, it points to the perfect man that would come. The one that would come in Jesus. Amen. And so I want to I wanna ask you to start with me at verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their army. And they gathered for battle at Soko. Which belongs to Judah. Now why would I highlight which belongs to Judah? Because I want to remind you of what happened last week. Last week in chapter 16. David was anointed. And Saul was rejected. Saul was the current king. He disobeyed God and so God rejected him. Can I tell you that when, without God's blessing, you're going to have a hard time in life. But with God's blessing, with God's anointing, all things are possible. All things are possible. You know, I, re, I, I wear this little bracelet that says I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. That's the power of the Lord's anointing. When God anoints you... You can do all things. When God takes his anointing from you, you're going to have trouble just getting out of bed in the morning. And 
And you might be here today saying, what do I need? Without a doubt, you need more of God. You need more of God. Now watch what's happening here nationally. You have the nation under a rejected king who is in decline. They are in decline. And the reason we know they're in decline because you have an enemy force camped in Judah. Where is Judah? Smack dab in the middle of Israel. This is the tribe that Jesus would come from. We know this because the Bible says this Philistine army is camped there in an area which belongs to Judah. And if you ever go to Israel, you'll be sure to have a tour guide take you by this place. It's a little valley just next to Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is just right outside of Jerusalem. So you have Bethlehem, a little town that now is about a, almost a suburb. It's not really because it's still far enough away, but it's like Bastrop to Austin, so to speak. And so you have Bethlehem right outside of Jerusalem. Now, Lord, forgive me for comparing Jerusalem to Austin. Um, <laughs> but but it's proximity is what I was after. And then right outside of Bethlehem is this little valley. And this little valley we got to stand in and there's rocks right there in the brook because during the rainy season, this valley takes the waters from the rainy season and deposits them into the Mediterranean. But it's typically dry outside of the rainy season and so I can remember grabbing some rocks and I went to put it in my pocket and the tour guide said, you can't take anything from Jerusalem, big or small, even if you think it's, it's insignificant, there is a law saying nothing shall leave. I went, yeah, don't want to be locked up abroad, right? Um, don't want to be locked up anywhere, but, but especially not abroad. So, so anyway, I can remember seeing this valley. The reason I'm making a big deal about this is because so many times when we read these historical accounts, we don't view them as historical accounts. We view them as children nursery rhyme stories, or, or, or better yet, children's church stories. And many of us have heard the story of David and Goliath, and we put it in that category. Oh, what a beautiful story to tell the kids. But we just sang a powerful song. Yahweh, if you said it, we... Come on. Yahweh, Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of, of all gods, the only God, the true God. If, we, if you said it, we believe it because every word you say is true. And so today I want to challenge you to re-engage the story of David and Goliath anew. And to not leave it back in the back, in the back or in the past as a children's story or a children's church story or Sunday school story, but a story that can inspire you today, especially if you're under the age of 30. Can I see my under the ages of, under the age of 30 hands? Raise your hands if you're, okay, some of you need to remember, thou shall not lie, but we've got a lot of young people here today. And so if you're under the age of 30, this is specially for you. Because the story of David and Goliath is a story of possibility, of, po of walking in faith and believing God for great things. And God wants to use you to do immeasurably more than you could ever what? Hope for, imagine, or dream. 
And so you have here a king who finds himself losing his kingdom while a young man has been anointed to be king that will establish a godly kingdom. You have here two opposing forces, a God, a a, a people that belong to God and a people that belong to the enemy. The people that belong to the enemy have a champion, verse four, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named what? Oh, you know the guy. Yeah, he's very familiar, right? Goliath. Now I want to highlight a couple of things about this Goliath. First of all, the Bible calls him a champion. Now I read a lot of commentators and commentary in preparation for this message. And they'll tell you that this is the only time the word champion is used in this format in the word, in the Old Testament. But they can look to other writings and see that the word champion, the way it's used, means a regular uh, infantry soldier. Okay, just a regular soldier. But can I tell you, the Bible already used those words to describe a regular soldier. So why would he's... Why would it make a point to change the word? Can I, I believe the Bible is highlighting not a regular soldier, but an extraordinary soldier, a champion, a, a killer, a killer that goes out and finishes wars. Someone that has been killing since he was young and is good at it. And here you have this champion. Now watch, it begins, it goes into a lot of detail about this champion. His height was six cubits and a span. History will tell you that a cubit is from the elbow to the fingertip. Now some say yes, but they were shorter back then, so the cubit was smaller, this and that. But history will tell us, based on buildings that were, that were built with the cubit, that it was about 18 inches. 18 inches to 20 inches. So can you imagine how tall this giant would be? That's why historians have have been pretty clear in saying he was over nine feet tall. So somewhere between nine feet, six inches, and nine feet, 10 inches. Just to give you a visual, you you have the basketball rim is at 10 foot. So if this giant stood below the basketball rim, right beneath it, he would be two inches beneath it. Let me give you another visual reference. Shaquille O'Neal is about 7172. He would be two and a half feet shorter than the giant. So imagine how I look to Shaquille, who's seven two, and I'm six foot even. Okay? I'm about a foot shorter. Shaquille would look shorter to the giant than I look to Shaquille. Okay? Let me give you another reference. Andre the Giant is 7'4", two inches taller than Shaquille. He would look like a shrimp compared to this giant. We also know, because the Bible gives a lot of detail as to what he's wearing, we know for a fact that a normal six-foot human, six-foot six, six-foot seven, six-foot whatever, even a big guy, could not wear and effectively maneuver in in what the giant was wearing. So we know that he was a what? I haven't even brought up the fact that he was more likely had Nephilim blood, which he was not totally human. But I won't go there. You go, oh my goodness, what? You can't drop a bomb like that and not give detail. You got to come back. You got to come back. So 
The Bible tells us these things because it wants to paint the picture of how dreadful he was. Then he stood and he cried, verse 8, out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? So he asks a very important question. We are here to fight, right? Now, why is he saying, are we here to fight? Because you're going to see in a little bit, they've been refusing to fight for how long? 40 days. 40 days. So he's taunting them and he's saying, you did come to what? Fight. It's like a, 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 a team that's, that's on the football field whooping another team and they ask, hey, did you come to play football? Ooh, that'll really get you, won't it? And so he's challenging them. Now watch this. Watch what he says. Am I not a Philistine? Am I not the enemy? Are you not our enemy? Aren't we enemies? We are here to fight. Now watch the very significant words here. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Do you imagine the amount of confidence the Philistines had in their champion to give him the authority to put their lives on the line? Oh, you talk about ultimate pride here. Oh, they were confident. But but let me ask you another thing. Do you see something else in this? Watch the words. Choose a man for yourselves. Why is that significant? Because they already chose a man. His name was Saul. Remember? The, The people said, give us a king. A king like the other nations. A king that is tall and mighty and strong. We want to be like the other nations. So God chose for them who they had in their heart. Who they had in their heart. And who they had in their heart was Saul. And he was cowarding in the tent. And here the giant is saying, choose a man. And God is saying, they already did. He's back here. Hiding. Remember? Saul represents who they chose. David represents who? Who God chose. Who God chose. Now, you know what I find interesting? Saul was a foot taller than everyone else in his, in his kingdom. And yet, he is scared of a real giant. He's scared of a real giant. So stay with me on this. Watch what the Philistine says. If you win, we'll serve you. But if I win, you serve us. I defy the armies of Israel this day. What is he saying here? He's saying, I challenge you and I curse you. And today I declare that you are nothing. Can I tell you, life has a way of doing that to you. Can I talk to my Davids here today? Oh, gird yourself up in the faith of the Lord because, the, because this life has a way of coming before you and trying to defy you. And saying you're never going to make it. You don't have what it takes. Stay with me. Verse 12. It describes who David is. He's the son of Jesse. He has eight brothers and he's the youngest. The reason why it goes into that is because it wants you to know that David is too young to be in the army. What does that mean? He is still a teenager. Guys, think about this with me for a minute. 
He's a teenager. You have a giant that's been killing people since he was a teenager. He is now a full-grown man in the prime of his life. And you have a teenager in David. Why? Because his older brothers, his three older brothers are serving Saul. But he's not old enough to serve Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep. And you say, well, wait a minute. What is going on here? David is a musician in Saul's court. How do we know this? Because at the end of the last chapter, we didn't cover this portion. The Lord rejected Saul, took his spirit from him, and Saul began to be tormented. Can I tell you? You need God's spirit if you want real peace. If you want real peace, you need God's spirit. And the Bible says that Saul asked for musicians and the name of David came before him. He called David to him. And every time he would need to be soothed, David would play his harp. And as David played his harp, the Spirit of the Lord would rest on Saul and give him peace. Just for a minute. And so now David is back with the sheep. But his parents, his dad, asks him to go and take care of his brothers. But watch verse 16. And the Philistine drew near, presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Now, why would the Bible indicate 40 days? Anytime the Bible gives some uh, detail, you can be sure it's for a very specific reason. What's the reason here? 40 days. Doesn't that sound like 40 days Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted? What else? 40 days Noah was in the ark and it was raining. Right? Or he was, it was raining 40 days. How, what else? 40 years in the wilderness. Thank you. Thank you. So what is the significance with this 40? I don't want to go into all that, that, that the 40 represents. But can I tell you this? The Bible is saying they had ample time to present themselves faithful before this challenge. And 40 days marked, they didn't have what it took. And neither did Saul. He definitely does not have what it takes. Can I tell you what it takes? What does it take? Oh, it takes courage. It takes strength. It takes, it takes a man who believes that God's word is what it says. And he will do what he says he will do. And he is faithful and he will deliver. That's what it takes. Because watch David's response. He doesn't come in and say, let me tell you all about me. Let me tell you my resume. Let me show you how much skill I have. He says, the name of the Lord is the key. But let's stay with, let's stay with the verses here. All right. So he's asked by his father to take his brother some pizza, bread and cheese. That to me is pizza. And or a quesadilla, if, if I'm going to my roots. Um, and he takes them. He takes him some provision. While he's taking the provision, he hears the giant begin to what? To taunt. Now go down to verse 22. When he hears the giant and he hears the clamoring and he hears the people lining up, they've been doing this for 40 days. What does he do? Oh man, he reminds me of a typical teenager. He's like, he shows up with his little delivery and he sees it kind of starting to kick off a little bit. Oh man, something's popping off. Something's getting exciting around here. So what does he do? He drops the pizzas off. He runs over to find his brothers. He's like, what's going on? What's going on? And as he goes, what's going on? He sees what's happening. Then they talk to him and they said this, 
there's a champion, a Philistine. His name is Goliath, verse 23. He's coming up to the armies. He's coming up to our army. And he's saying, he's challenging us. And all the men of Israel are dreadfully afraid. Dreadfully afraid. So David is trying to process all of this. He just showed up. Can I tell you, sometimes you show up to a conflict, to a situation, and the situation is beyond you, and the enemy wants to what? He wants to intimidate you with that situation. You have a choice to respond in faith. You have a choice to respond in faith. So many of the, so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy, to defeat us. But whoever goes against this man, listen to this, who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter. You get a girl and rich? Come on, guys. You know, I get young guys come up, pastor, would you pray for me? I need, I need a girl. And they come to me because I have a pretty good track record here. Just telling you. And so they, they need a girl. And I said, you know what? What kind of girl do you want? And they start listing these amazing qualities. And then I always tell them, nope, son, you're not ready. No, why, pastor? Why? Just pray. I said, you're not ready because an amazing girl wants an amazing guy. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Amen? amen? Can I get an amen? amen. And so here, he's, he, his, his ears are all all about it. He's listening. He goes, I get to be rich. I get a girl. And then watch. And he will have his father's house exempt from taxes. Come on. Any, any guys in the room get their attention now? Exempt from taxes. This is big. So David spoke to the men who stood by him. Verse 26 saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? Can you hear what's happening? He goes and he gets kind of a glimpse. He goes, whoa, 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 come again? What are you talking about, Willis? What, what are you, what? Did I hear that right? I get to be rich. I get to, I get a beautiful wife. I get to pay no taxes. Sign me up. Now, let me ask you this. Why is David saying, whoa, 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 what? Say it again. Why is he doing this? He's processing it, but why is he processing it like that? Think, put yourself in that situation. You come to and you're just now seeing this and you're going for 40 days and the, and what? We get what? Why hasn't somebody taken care of this? All you got to do is kill this dude. Let's do this. No, I mean, think about it. Why does he have that kind of confidence? I want you to ask, and let me ask you a better question. Why don't we? Why don't we? Because there's two groups. There's David and the other guys. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being the other guy. I want to be a David. Today marks the day. See, David sees through spiritual eyes, not physical eyes. You're going to see it very, very clearly. He sees through spiritual eyes. 
Watch what he asks. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He immediately goes to covenant. He says, I know one thing, that we're circumcised. And the circumcision means that we are under God and that God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God blesses you, no one can curse you. Because no man can curse what God has blessed. No man. And if God said it, he'll perform it. Because his hand always performs what his word declares. And he has declared, come on. He has declared, I will bless you, Abraham, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and I will make you a father of many nations, and I will raise you up, and out of your seed will come. Oh, come on now. And David knew just enough to know this. I don't have to worry about a thing. See, this is the most amazing part of this whole story. If you want to grab life-changing truth, right here is the time to grab it. And it's this. If you fear God, you don't have to fear anyone else. Let me say that again. David grabbed this deep down in his soul. He said, if I fear God, I don't have to fear anyone else. Lord, make me fear you so much that I would do anything not to offend you. And if I don't offend you, then I know that I know that I know that you are for me. You are for me. No giant can touch me. No famine can touch me. No layoff can touch me. No economy can touch me. No Federal Reserve can touch me. Some of you, oh my goodness, the interest rate and the recession and inflation. No inflation can touch me because if you be for me, come on. I know that I know that I know that you'll work it out. You will work it out. Why? Because you love me, God. You love me. Oh, and the people answered him in this manner. So shall it be done for the man who kills him. And then Eliab. The oldest brother, Eliab, David's oldest brother, his anger was aroused against David. Can I tell you something? That many times your greatest opposition will come from those closest to you. And the reason it comes from those closest to you is because you make them feel less than. Why? Because they don't have the faith to walk. And when they see you walk, they feel judged but it's not a judgment, it's a conviction that they can do it too, but for some reason they'd rather sit back and criticize you than walking with you. Amen? And so watch what the gospel writer says in Matthew. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household many times. But not only does it come from someone close to him, It also comes from an authority over him. Listen to what Saul says. Verse 31. When the words which David spoke were heard, they were reported to Saul. And he sent for David. Verse 32. David says to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Your servant, meaning David, will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. 
What is Saul saying? You're too young and stupid to know you should be scared. Isn't that true? You know, I had people tell me this. They sent me to a, when I first started foundation, they sent me to an expert of a large denomination. And as I, he, he was supposed to spend time with Melissa and I and determine if we should start a church. And he basically laughed at me. He brought his worship, I mean, his worship leader in and he laughed at me too. And then they looked and they laughed together and they said, you're, in these kind of words, have no business starting a church. You don't know the first thing about pastoring. And he said a lot of other things. Like, I'm here to knock the stars out of your sky. I'm here to really bring you back down to ground zero, to have your feet firmly planted on the ground, because right now you're up in, in the clouds. And and and. and an authority figure trying to say, you're too stupid to understand. You don't know what you're doing. Anyone ever told you that? Maybe you're here. Now, let me ask you another question. What is David doing there? He's not part of the army. He shows up only when Saul calls for him. But on this occasion, his daddy determined you're, 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 your brothers need some food. Go take them some food. Can I tell you what that is? That's God's hand of providence. God's hand of providence. God orchestrated the 40 days and in the fullness of time, he brought David, his anointed, to that particular situation. He had these people speak over him negativity to show you that David wasn't listening to the crowd. He was listening to his father. And if you listen to your father, your father will guide you too. If you put your faith in your father, your father will gird you up in strength too. If you would understand that you have a higher calling, then you can walk in the same faithfulness of David. David was not there by accident. He was there by divine appointment. And if you're here this morning, you're here by divine appointment. If you're facing a giant in your life, you're facing it by divine appointment. Some of you are facing real giants. I don't know what they are, but you do. And you know what your family has spoken and those around you have spoken. But you're there for a very specific reason. Can I tell you what your reason is? Your reason is to show your faith and how God has prepared you for such a time as this. That you might glorify him and inspire them. Listen, glorify him and inspire them. They're not inspired right now. They're shaking they're completely petrified in fear. And David comes in with fresh eyes. You have fresh eyes. Eyes of faith to see things differently. He says, you're not able to go. This man has been killing guys like you since he was your age. That's the enemy trying to stir up David's fear. Can I tell you something about David? David's already given his fear to God. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Know my fears. That you might scrub them, wash them, clean them. Take them and replace them with. So, so what's going to happen? This is what David tells Saul. Well, he's been fighting since he was young. When I was young, and Saul's going, you're still young. 
Well, when I was younger, I killed a lion and a bear. Multiple lions and bears. And I've even learned some things from those lions and bears. That God is stronger still. And that when I'm in God's service, because I'm a shepherd, can I tell you, how does that point to Christ? Christ walks in humility. Christ was an unlikely king. What do I mean by an unlikely king? He didn't come from noble birth. He wasn't born in a palace. He didn't grow up as a politician or a conquering king. He came as a humble baby in a manger, swaddled in garments, nursing at his mama's breast to a teenage mother in radical controversy as people said who's the dad just like David like David will show God's power over death because all of this fear can I tell you all of your fear any insecurity you have leads back to death and only God's promise of life can strike it down listen to me oh but I may not be enough I may not be pretty enough. I may not be smart enough. I may not get enough with the in crowd. That's all about me, 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 here, 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 and the things that are passing away, and it leads back to death. Live for life. David said, I am exactly who God has called me to be, and I've been working in the field, and I've learned some things. I Listen to what he says. Look at it. He says, on one occasion, I thought I killed it, and I didn't. I went to check on it, and the thing raised up on me. That's experience. You'll see he doesn't make that mistake with Goliath. He doesn't take it casual. You know, remember how many of you would watch wrestling, and the guy would, the, the little guy would always hit the big guy, and the big guy would go down, and the little guy starts going, yeah, and you're going, no, he's getting up. And that's what David tells Saul. I've done that. Been there, done that. I hit the lion. I thought he was dead. I went to check on him. He went after me and then I have to finish him off. That's what he says. But watch this. And this uncircumcised Philistine, this Philistine who is not in covenant with God will be like one of them. And the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul says, well, go then. <laughs> and then I'll say, go. But maybe you should do it with some armor. I don't want it to be said that I sent you out there like a lamb to the... Wasn't Jesus sent like a lamb to the... Oh, there's so much I could teach on this. Keep going with me. So he dresses him in his clothing, in, in his armor. And David can barely move in his armor. He's a teenage Saul was a full-grown man. He can't even move in his armor. And listen to what David says. I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. I thought to myself, why would the Lord say I have not tested them? What does that mean? He's saying, you don't need experience to defeat that giant. Not the kind of worldly experience that people say you need. David was saying, I have not been in battle To use this kind of armor. You know what I'm going to use? I'm going to use a staff and a slingshot. What does the staff and the slingshot represent? If not a shepherd. Who was Jesus if he's not the good shepherd? He's the good shepherd. Now watch. Stay with me on this. I'm going to go to verse 40. 
Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them into his shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had. And his sling was in his hand as well, right? And he drew near to the Philistine. Now you, you might ask, Pastor, wait a minute. Five stones, that's significant. I was reading a commentator. They said, you know what? Um, he was being humble. He could have missed. And so he had five stones. He says, one of these is liable to hit. I watched the movie David with Richard Gere, and it's kind of bad. But um, he went up there, and he swung the deal around, and he kept missing, and he kept missing, and finally he hit him. I thought, okay, maybe that's one interpretation. You know the one I like is David had, I mean, Goliath had four brothers. So five stones, one for Goliath, and if your four brothers come out, I got one for each of you too. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. That is cold. I mean, come on. I got you. Come on. You say, Pastor, how did David have so much confidence? Well, stay with me on this. Stay with me on this. And the Philistine looked and saw David. And when he did, he disdained him. For he was, what, only a youth. He was ruddy. What does ruddy mean? He was full of health. He looked like a baby. No scratches, no nothing. His skin was all clean. and Like that, my baby boy right here. No, I'm just kidding. Someday you're going to look like this, so you better be careful. Um, and then watch what he says. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? This is highlighting the humility of the way David came. He came with, how do you go after a dog? I mean, you don't go after dogs, but when a dog comes after you, how do you defend yourself? You're out for a walk, a dog comes after you, what do you do? Scream and holler and run? I get bit in the butt. That's what happens if you do that. So, some of you are going, you can't say that at church. But if the dog's coming after you, Mike, what do you do? I know what I do. I grab a rock. Get back. And if there's a stick nearby or if I have a walking stick, I go, you better get your dog. I'm going to light him up. Okay. Do you see what Goliath is saying? Nothing's changed under the sun. You deal with a dog back then the same way you deal with one now. He's saying, am I a dog? Did you come at me with a rock and a stick? Oh, I'm going to kill you this day. I'm going to kill you. And David said, David said this. I'm not even going to worry about what Goliath said because he talked a lot of trash. And in verse 45, he says this. David says this to the Philistine. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Can I tell you what David understood? Is that there's power even in the name. Let me tell you something. There is power in the name. This is something that God is revealing to this church. How do I know it? Because from this platform, he has been emphasizing, do not use my name in vain. Don't use OMG. Don't use GC. Don't casually just throw my name out there. Know that my name has power. Power to break chains. Power to set the captive free. Power to defeat the giants. Power to do whatever you need. If you line up with my word and declare it in my name. 
And David said, look what he said. He said, you come at me with a sword and a spear and with jack. This is amazing to me. This is amazing to me because it's easy to read this. It's another thing to try to live it. Chris, have you ever been in a situation where you had to raise up your courage and do something like that any other man would have felt like they were going to die? But how did David have this confidence to say, no, in the name of the Lord of hosts, it's already done. He declares the things that aren't as though they were. He said this, he said, the Lord This day will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And not only back then, but today. Ooh. Then all of the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and with the spear. But the battles is the Lord's. Now watch this. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Do you see the confidence of this young man? Do you see the confidence of this young man? Everybody's been scared Stiff for 40 days. He shows up. He's been completely anointed. And notice what the Bible says. He hurries. I don't know if I could have done that. I remember one day. I was a, I was a freshman at a brand new high school. Super 5A. I had all my baseball gear. I had two bats. Two gloves. Batting, I mean batting gloves. All kinds of stuff. I had saved up so much money. I I went inside to say something to somebody. When I came out, I saw a big senior. He's a big guy. He was walking my bag. He jumped in the back of a truck and he drove off. So I told him the next day, I said, I have my bag. I need my bag back. I saw you take it. He says, yeah, I'll, I'll get it to you. And he kept putting me off, putting me off, putting me off because graduation was less than a week. And I thought it's now or never. I said, man, give me my bag. I'm not saying I did right, but I'd run up and I just knocked him in the teeth. And just before I got killed, um, this big police officer that used to play for the Oakland Raiders, we called him Robocop. He was 6'6". He grabs him. And then he looks at me. He goes, you have a death wish? (laughs) But I can remember, like, you know, sometimes you you just got to, you got to go. And, and, I, and I remember that, and some of you are going to go around punching people. Don't, oh, no, that's not the whole point. The point is this. The point is, is that David ran towards the battle. And watch, as he was running, notice what's happening so easy to him. No one, if, if I had to run with a staff in one hand, an old-fashioned slingshot in another, rocks in my pouch, and had to, oh man, wait, wait, hold on, I got you. Stand still, doggone it. It would be horrible. But what does, do you see what's happening? Can I tell you that the giant you're facing, God has already, already prepared you. He's already prepared you. David's using exactly what he was familiar with. It came easy to him. He ran. He did it. He hit the giant. One hit. Hits him. He goes down. Notice what else the Bible says. Read it. Read it up there. They'll keep putting it up there. What does he say? What does he do next? 
He starts going, ah, no. He keeps running. He keeps running. Why? Because I've been there. I've done that. I celebrated too soon. The lion got up. I want to make sure he doesn't get up. And then notice what the Bible says. He hit him and he killed him. But then it says again, when he got to him, he took the sword out. And before he chopped off his head, he killed him again. I don't know if it means killed him again. I don't know how the killing took place. But this is kind of the picture it paints in my, in my eyes. Bam! The guy falls. He remembers the lion. The lion got up again. I want to make sure this dude doesn't get up again. So I'm running straight to him. Everybody's like this. The Israelites were like this. And then they go, ah! and then, oh my goodness. David's still running. He grabs the, 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 the sword. He gets it out. He stabs him through the heart. That's how I see it. Because he killed him, killed him. Like he wanted to make sure he was dead, dead. And then he got the sword out and everybody's still going. And then he chops off the head before they could figure out what's happening. And do you realize that experts say that a guy that tall is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 450 to 600 pounds. A man's head is 8.26 of his body weight. That's about 50 pounds worth of head. And David raises it up. I don't know if he used one hand, but the Bible says that David says this in his Psalms. Lord, you have made my hand strong for war. You make me powerful that I may bend a brass bow. That I may go out against my enemies. And you, Lord, you give me the victory. You Come on. Can I get someone to say, I'm tired of being the other guy. Today, I'm a David. I'm a David. It's not about education. It's not about preparation. It's not about any of that. It's about loving the Lord and saying, God, I'm going to get serious about you. And I'm going to let you direct my path. You direct my steps. Put me where I need to be to do what you've called me to do. He gets the head. He raises it up. Watch this. I don't want you to miss what I'm saying. I'm not saying education is not important. What I'm saying is that for too long, Christians have put other things and left the David quality down here. I'm asking you to flip it. Put the David quality first, the heart, and then everything else falls into place. Amen? So he takes the head, 50 pounds. I don't know if he stashed it somewhere, but it says he pursues the enemy. When they get done killing the enemy, he comes back. He still has the head. I mean, it's just something out of Gladiator, right? It's like, yeah, and it's like blood dripping down his calf. And he's like, and he keeps showing it to people, you know. No, And then the Bible says that he takes that same head and he takes it to Jerusalem. Some say that he took it to Jerusalem, but guess what? Jerusalem wasn't under under wasn't Jerusalem until David conquered it. That's why today, if you go to Jerusalem, you'll see a sign that says the city of David. Because David conquered it older, when he was older in life. So I don't know if it means he took it right then that very day. What I think it means is that David kept that head as a trophy. Oh, guys, come on, that's cool. Some of you have elk, and some of you have moose, and some of you have... So many points and they're deers and whitetail and this and that. But to have a giant's head, come on. 
oh, that is awesome. We're like, I was 15. <laughs> right? I was 15. Because they always tell you where and what, how old they were. Yeah, my son killed that. He was 12. David goes, but does he have a giant? Right? That's cool. You go, but why, why, why do you bring up that whole deal about the head? To be funny? No. Because I truly believe that God is giving you victories. The problem is we forget them. We forget them and we have to, we have to repeat the same old grade. David didn't do that. I think he had the lion's head. I think he had the bear's head. He had the giant's head. And he's going, look, God is giving, going, he's, he's led me from victory to victory to victory. He's not about to fail now. You say, so am I supposed to carry around heads um, or put them in my wall or, or what? No, take a journal and write down what God has done. Chronicle what he's doing today. And if you're facing a giant, gird yourself up in faith. Gird yourself up in faith. Gird yourself up in faith. I want to say this to you. It, is, it has been well said that there are people who make things happen, people who watch things happen, and people who don't know that anything is happening. I'm asking you to be a man of faith, to be a woman of faith. After all, faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not yet see. God will have it. God will make it happen. I love you, church. I love you. If you're here today and you're facing a giant, I'm going to ask you to gird yourself up in faith. I'm going to ask you to to be a David. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, I'm going to ask you to just have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, fill my heart with faith. Lead me that I may walk in faith and confidence in you. Help me be an overcomer. In Jesus' name. Lord, you gave your body to be broken, your blood to be shed, that we might have salvation. And for that, we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.